Elon? I just thought I'd start with some awkward silence, you know, to sort of make everyone feel uncomfortable. Oh, actually, you know, I probably could have just started by saying we're going to be talking about sex today, and, and that would have been enough to make it awkward and uncomfortable, at least, at least for a lot of us, anyway. So, yeah, that's, that's where we're going. And consider this another formal disclaimer for everyone, as we're all mindful of who might be listening in right now. We could say this is rated M for mature, so if there are younger ones around who aren't ready for these kind of things, now would be a good time to make some other arrangements. And hopefully, hopefully what we're doing today is mature. Um, unlike a lot of other times, you see that rating, and yeah, it might refer to the graphic nature of the content, but mature, kind of a spurious name for things designed just for titillation and arousing basic instinct. Oh, well, of course, that, you might know that's the title of an old movie. I'm sorry to say I've seen it. And, you know, there's basically only one reason a guy would watch that movie. And while it was made for mature audiences, I couldn't say my motivations for, for watching it were very mature. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, th- this series is about seeing things maturely, not naively, but getting a real grip on the way things are, the way relationships really work. Uh, Not settling for how relationships are portrayed on glossy magazines or movie screens, but seeking a deeper understanding and and, and wisdom that would actually help us get relationships in the way they were designed. And that takes work, takes thought, requires perspective. And for us, we would say uh, godly perspective. We're a community that believes maturity comes through deeper connection with the God who created us, a greater giving over of one's life to that God, a surrender that leads to refinement and growth, among other things. So that's what we're, we're trying to do that in this series. Um, allow God to mature us, shape us, square us up in our relationship with God, both for its own sake and then for the benefit of all of our relationships. And that brings us to the topic at hand today. Let's talk about sex. And can, I, can I just be real? Like th- this feels challenging to do. And I don't mean to start off by complaining, oh, I got a hard job in front of me. No, I, the burden is, is not just mine to bear. I think we've all got somewhat of a tough road ahead. If, if we're going to get where God wants us to go, if we're going to mature through navigating this mature content. I'm just kind of observing the lay of the land. Here's what I see. See, see if you think this is right. Okay, it's like I'm the preacher, okay, and I'm speaking for the church. So I'm coming with this millennia old tradition that I'm now going to be presenting again, right? A, a tradition marked by ideals of prudence and purity. I mean, if anybody knows anything about the church or the Bible, it's that, well, you know, they got some rules about sex. Don't always follow them very well, but nevertheless. I mean, like, you know what I'm going to say. You, you think. You're anticipating the latest edition of Don't Do It Unless You're Married. And I think there's a certain group of people who are eager for this message, probably church folk, probably among the older generations, feeling as if there are some morals that need to be clearly reaffirmed. And then there's a group of largely the younger generation this is not ignorant of those moral ideals, but would very much question their continued relevance. What sounds virtuous to an older generation sounds at best impractical to the younger, if not restrictive or worse. And to many beyond the church, they would think worse, that the church's views on sex are oppressive and damaging. And it's crazy that we're even trying to force a conversation like this in our modern world. And we know in our modern world, sexual ethics has has become a battleground area. 
politically, there are policies at stake over who can get married and what rights a woman has over her body. Societally, there are groups of people who are carrying deep wounds, having been persecuted for their sexual orientation or those victimized sexually by people in power. And there's tension, no, no doubt, in many a home where discrepancies in sexual values and opinions and, and sexual practice have sparked everything from awkward silence to explosive argument or even worse. And there's, you know, there's internal battle too when we talk about this. Guilt and shame enter so easily, which is at least uh, ironic on the surface because, you know, everywhere we look, Sex is glamorized and peddled as a panacea guaranteed to make life exciting and vibrant and fulfilling and liberating. Yet, uh, many of us, if we're being real, we feel locked down by consequences of sexual brokenness. Like, it's not worked that way for us. For every experience of great sex, who, who knows how many are experiencing or have experienced great pain in this area of life. Abuse. Uh, rape morning after regret, sex addiction and battles with pornography, STDs, abortion, promiscuity leading to greater emptiness, impotence, long periods of life, whether single or married, of unfulfilled sexual desire, confusion over sexual orientation, same-sex attraction, and the pressure of feeling different or not knowing if you can talk about it, cheating, extramarital affairs, attempting to carry on with life as a, a victim, but trying to avoid someone who's on the registry or a person who's on the registry trying to carry on with life while everyone's trying to avoid them. And, and then all of those things being felt and experienced under what might seem like the heavy hand of the church with its repressive and secretive approach on this topic or its puritanical rules and its oppressive tactics to say nothing of its hypocrisy, which has become all too common. So I'm not trying to overstate things or be gloomy, and I don't, I don't know what you bring to the conversation, but if we're being real, I, I think we have to acknowledge there's some brokenness, some challenges that face us when we say, let's talk about sex. And yet with all of that said, I still think it is worth believing that by moving however uncomfortably into this mature content, God can and will mature us and can help us get relationships in a better way. So, uh, so let's get started. Uh, a, lot, a lot of places we could go in a conversation like this. Um, I, I tend to start thinking about that. Uh, it's almost a cliche situation. Teenagers in the back seat of a car, you know, maybe a number of us can relate to that. And it's like, I mean, I don't, what, what would you say? What, what do you say to people in that situation? Those of you who are older, like, what would you go back and say to your 17-year-old self? Uh, could, can we type that in the chat? Like, is that, is that safe? Can we do that? If you think it is, you know, go ahead, share. What, what would you say to your 17-year-old self? Yeah, it's, it's too late to reason people out of doing whatever they're going to do by the time they get to that point. But, but if I was in a situation where I did have the ear of a teenager, you know, before they ever got to the back seat, I think I might want to get at some, uh, some foundational stuff. Maybe like this. Like, if you're scrolling through Netflix titles, and you saw something that said, the adventure awaits. 
And it was accompanied by a picture of Bear Grylls. You'd assume that this is going to be a daring journey through the wilderness. If you saw that same title with a picture of X Games and Olympic gold medalist Sean White, you'd think of the thrill of extreme sports. But if you saw that same title pasted over a picture of a scantily clad woman with too much mascara, well, then we all know what's being communicated there. And this is generally how sex is presented to us in our culture. It's exciting, it's exotic, it will take you to a place of wondrous discovery. There's thrill in the pursuit and fulfillment in the destination. As is Disney World to an eight-year-old, so is sex to anyone old enough to do it consensually. You just have to go there and go back as many times as you can. The back seat of the car is the glamorized entrance to this theme park. The adventure awaits. Don't miss it. And there's more to it. And that is that, that among the, the many different adventures that a person could go on, the, the sexual adventure gets prized as the most important one to take. It's the one that will make you the most fully alive, the most fully human. So don't resist any opportunity to go for that ride. Don't repress those impulses. Whatever else you do, if you're going to get the most out of life, this is your highest pursuit. And as long as you're not hurting anybody... You should go after it. And by the time anyone is 17, even, even if they've not taken the ride, th this is the bit that they're sold every time they turn around. Now, here's the rub. The, the first thing to address, it's, it's not so much sexual do's and don'ts per se. It, it's what do we think is the greatest adventure? What pursuit will actually lead to the greatest fulfillment. If I trust my sexual desires above all else, will they get me to the place I really want to be? If I decide at any given moment to, to give in to my desires, go with my feelings, surrender myself to the moment, will that in fact satisfy me in the way that I'm longing for, like so much of what I see suggests that it will? These are the questions that we would want to think about before arriving in the back seat, and questions for which we would want more than just 17-year-old perspective. And then there, there's another, uh, another important point, another important thing to understand, and it's something that I didn't really get at 17, and many don't today, and that is to, to recognize that God, the God of the Bible, when we think of the implications of wel welcoming God into our life, it's often like God's coming to swoop in with his own Netflix special entitled, No, Don't Do That. Now, we see God so often as this fun, spoiling rule enforcer. But if you are willing to get real and to meet the real God, you, you would discover that God's invitation to us isn't, hey, if you want a little religion in your life, uh, this one's decent. Rather, it's nothing less than the adventure awaits. God is pitching an adventure all its own. And here's the rub. It's the one that God would say is the most important adventure, contrary to what you might have been taught. It's the one worth pursuing at all costs.
You'd say, tell me more. God would say, well, let's talk about that fully human thing. I did design humans after all. Set up the man and woman as my image bearers in my creation and in fact called them to a life of adventure, to rule, to be stewards of what I gave them, to fulfill a high calling on the earth as a source of blessing. And as part of that larger adventure, I gave the man and woman the gift of sex and the command to do it over and over again. Notice, too, the intricate nature of how I designed this, that a husband and wife, two separate beings, would become one flesh, and in their nakedness and vulnerability would be unashamed as they knit their union together, physically, spiritually, emotionally, chemically even, we've come to discover. Isn't it a beautiful thing? Jesus, too, the embodiment of that God, likewise, didn't come as a moral traffic cop, but to call people to the most prized adventure of trusting every ounce of their being, every aspect of their life to him so they wouldn't be trapped in a less than life, chasing things that overpromise and underdeliver. The adventure awaits, he said to some fishermen who gave up security to follow him. The adventure awaits, he said to a tax collector who was dabbling in lesser pursuits for material wealth. The adventure awaits, he said to a woman who was caught in sexual brokenness. She'd had an affair and the moral police were going to stone her to death. Jesus said, we can get that started as soon as all, you know, the morally pure person wants to throw the first stone. And he looked at her and he said, I, I don't condemn you for this trap your sexual quest puts you in. Now go and live a better adventure free from this sin. Jesus launched a church a group of people, still his image bearers in the world, stewards of God's gifts for the sake of blessing the world. This was the, the highest calling that we said just a few weeks ago. It drew together people of all different kinds, with all different gifts. You, you have gifts. Married people have a distinct role to play for in their oneness and, and submission to one another, they reflect the good news of the way God always loves and commits to God's people, even through the hard stuff. Single people have a distinct role as they're focused in their pursuit of God and service to others, which is a sign that God is truly on the throne. God's world blessing mission depends on them. Everyone, single or married, everyone is called to purity as a witness to God's holiness and testifying to the fact that God's adventure is eternal and more fulfilling than any temporary feeling. This is a community that embodies a hopeful vision and trust in God's good future against the cynical eat, let's eat, drink, and marry, be merry for tomorrow we die. It's a community that says something powerful to the world about the value of all people about life's meaning, about the possibility of redemption, that even the most broken things can be put back together because we're all living proof of it. And as people who've been healed and made new, God calls us to bring healing to the world. You, whoever you are, you have a unique role to play. And you were designed in such a way that life's greatest joy would be experienced as you commit yourself to this adventure, which won't always be easy, but it will be fulfilling. You love God, love people, and serve the world. There is no richer way to invest your life. The adventure awaits. I mean, so should I keep going? Are, are we losing the 17-year-olds by now? We're losing the rest of you? You're like, really, Luke? I mean, that's what I'm supposed to tell my teenager? What, what does that even do? Okay. Well, again, 
you got you to sort through these things before you ever get to the point of temptation, right? You, you got to hear clearly the invitation of Jesus when you're clear-headed. Okay? We know well the invitation of the scantily clad woman, or if you prefer the chiseled shirtless man with great hair. Okay? Those say, hey, you, you can do whatever you want. You can have me. You're in control. This will be the best thing for both of us. It, it's the ultimate pursuit. And Jesus says, I think there's something bigger. And I'd love for you to have it. I'd hate for you to get lost in chasing something else and end up unfulfilled. In fact, I'd love to show you the beautiful place sex holds within the larger adventure of trusting God, which is the most valuable and wise thing that you can do with your life. See, I know we got issues with the Bible's no, don't. But it's not a killjoy. The Bible's no. I, I suppose you could say, it's like what you'd hear from Bear Grylls. If you were going to follow him on a mission through the wilderness, there would be some don'ts, right? Don't eat that. <laughs> Don't touch that. Stay away from that. If you see that, run away. Your impulses must be submitted to my instruction if we're going to have the adventure we both want. Do you think that's worth it? Do you trust me? That's the, the perspective that God gives us in the Bible when it's talking about sex. You know, there's one time uh, a single guy is trying to help a community get straight on all this. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Paul a guy named Paul wrote the letter to these people. They're trying to follow Jesus in a sex-saturated environment. There was the common wisdom that sounded a lot like what many of us are told and believe. Like, I can do anything I want with my body. Have sex with whoever I want. Sex, after all, is like eating. When I get hungry, I eat. When I have sexual feelings, then I should be able to satisfy them. And Paul uh, responds to this. Not, not in such a way like he's being prudish. He's not just citing arbitrary rules that suck the fun out of life. No, he, he's committed his life to the adventure of following Jesus and, and being an agent of reconciliation across the world. And this very community is the fruit of his labor. And they're trying to commit themselves to God's high calling as well. Paul invited them. The adventure awaits. And now he's trying to guide them. So here's how Paul says it to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, the, the body... The body's not meant for sexual immorality, just casual sex. It's meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Don't you know your, your bodies are members of Christ himself? This is connected. Paul's teaching and elsewhere, other, other places as well. Like You're the body of Christ in the world. You have an incredible calling and identity. And that calling, that calling matters before a calling to the back seat. Like, have you thought of your physical body, as the body of Christ. He goes on, shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? There would have been in that city, there would have been pagan temple prostitutes, pretty common. You know, you go worship at that temple. You go for the ride. And Paul, Paul says, no, no, never, <laughs> never. Don't, don't you know that a person who unites himself with a prostitute is, is one with her in body? For it said, the two will become one Flesh. That's what sex does. It's not just this casual, inconsequential thing. Sex is sticky. It bonds you to the other person. A bond 
that was designed to hold and to hold tightly in one covenantal relationship, not stuck and restuck a bunch of different times. So if you're being drawn to someone sexually who's not your spouse, he goes on, he says, run away, flee from sexual immorality. All, all other sins a person commits, they're outside the body, but you sin sexually, you're sinning against your own body. Don't you know your, your, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You've received him from God. You're, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Among the, the prohibitions, there is a positive call to bring honor to God in the way we steward our sexual desire. If we've joined up with Jesus on the adventure to follow him, then our bodies aren't even our own. The presence of Christ dwells in us and with us, which is worth thinking about before parking in a place where you're seemingly alone. Like we both know, once you go there, you're going there. That's why Paul says, don't go there. Don't take your body, a temple of the Spirit of God, and unite it with someone with whom you're not united in values, in purpose, in faith, in finances, in law, in pledge, in common destiny, in covenant. Run away. What do you need to run away from right now in order to better honor God with your body? Maybe a relationship that needs to end. A text chain or flirting with someone who's not your spouse that just needs to stop. Or avoiding situations where you're alone, either with a computer or with a person you're not married to. Honoring God with your body. It's a call to purity. Or chastity. It's a good word. And yes, it, it does mean some no's. But no's that lead to a greater and, and godly yes. No, sexual adventure is not the most important thing in life or, or something that one can't live without. Following Jesus is the greatest adventure. And sex, as good as it is because God made it, it finds its place subordinate to that. The sexual uh, desire, the sexual adventure is put in context. No, your sexual desires shouldn't just have free reign. A desire to follow God brings all of the rest of our desires under God's reign. No, sex outside of marriage isn't what God designed. And that's not to oppress people, though it certainly is restrictive if you're committed to following the adventure led by your sexual desires or some other goal. But if you're giving yourself to God, if that's your highest pursuit, then even if you don't initially understand, you trust that you can learn to find joy and wisdom and even freedom in God's design. You know, a good place to start for singles, uh, learning to trust God and live chaste in their relationships would be the previous two weeks. We, we've been talking about singleness and then dating. We, we put those links in the chat. Those are efforts to say, oh, wow, the relationships that we have when, when we're single, when we're dating, those can be really rich parts of the adventure with Jesus. And here's how. Okay. And as it relates to sex, chastity. It calls us to be very aware of the power of sex as something that bonds us with another and something that, that when we do it, we're giving some of ourselves away. So, yeah, 
as an unmarried person, we have a keep away mindset. Paul says flee. Now, not keep away because it's bad, it's dirty, it's wrong. Don't do it oh, until you're married. Then suddenly it's good and wonderful and have a great time. No, no, no. That's not the message. The distance, it's a healthy distance because sex is designed to make two become one. So respect it for what it is. Our culture makes a joke of it. Ah, oh, it's not that serious. Ah, oh, I mean, I feel that way initially, but you just do it enough, you'll get over it. No, but, but we're trying to really acknowledge what sex really is and does. So that means uh, dating, you know, be in public places, not being home alone together. It, it means having accountability with pornography so you don't bond yourself with a virtual image. It means not having a, how far can I go until it counts as sex approach? Like second base, third base, what are we talking here? No, no, no. It's all part of the sexual act. Oral sex is sex. It might mean for you, and this can't be a blanket, blanket statement, there might be kids involved and, and okay, but it might mean moving out if you're living together, unmarried, or, or getting married. Now, I'm sure there's reasons for why you're, you're in the arrangement you're in, but I, I would encourage you, if you're saying you want to follow Jesus and honor God with your relationship, then ask, where is this thing going? And if the two of you are becoming one sexually, then be fully true to that oneness and make public pledge and lawful union and covenantal commitment or abstain from sex until you're ready to do that. And, and let's, be, let's be sure to remember that part of trusting God with chastity is trusting God's forgiveness and redemption. Yes, the calling to sexual purity is high. And yes, God, God wants us to experience it in all of its fullness and beauty, just as he designed. But God also knows we fall short, knows the temptations we face, knows the broken pieces that are part of our lives, whether because of things that we've done or what's been done to us. God's love is redemptive. God's spirit within us convicts and restores so that we can stay on the adventure. There's hope for all those who fail. There's patience for those who've been resistant to God's adventure while they insist on doing things their own way. There's acceptance and belonging for people who've been rejected. And that's especially true for those for whom chastity means not acting uh, upon their sexual attraction to those of the same sex. The church has not always been a safe space for a person with a homosexual orientation. Sexual ethic has been used as a weapon to ostracize and demonize and make people feel less than human and disqualified from God's love and concern. And I, I'm sorry if that's been your experience. I'm sure this whole topic, if you've listened to this long, and this whole series is challenging for you as you wonder about how you know, this church could, could help you get relationships and understand sexuality. Uh, Wesley Hill's book, Washed and Waiting, it's been helpful to me, might be to you as well. Uh, he describes his journey as someone who says, uh, I'm gay. Uh, I've always been that way. I've tried to not be that way in all different kind of ways, but it's just, it's my orientation. And at the same time, I love Jesus and I want to go on the adventure with him. So what does that mean for me? And so he, he, he wrestles through the Bible's teaching. What is it saying? What does it mean for me? my sexual desires. And, and we've taught more on that at other times as well. And we could link those teachings in the chat and link the book also. 
All of those resources can help all of us color in a greater understanding and appreciation of a godly sexuality that, that we know on the surface. It, it sounds limiting because of the story of sexual adventure and everything we're told that it's supposed to be. It's not that sex can't be adventurous. It's not that desire can't grow or that pleasure is bad. It's just that all of those things are seen through and subordinate to the beauty and wisdom of God's design. So the path to fulfillment as a single person comes through diving even more deeply into discovering God for who God is and joining the church in God's mission. And for a married person, ultimate fulfillment is found in the same way. It's just, it's a partnership journey where two have become one. And chastity for you means keeping the marriage bed pure, keeping your mind pure, your text communications and social media interactions pure, running from any temptation that would unbond you from your spouse. It's not time to, to do sexual therapy. We're about out of time anyway, but, but I am mindful of the married couple who... Uh, maybe just you just don't talk about sex. You, you don't have fulfilling sex. You, you're trying to find intimacy and a deep bond and to be naked and unashamed, but starting to doubt that that could be possible in, in this marriage. And we're going to talk more about marriage next week and what it takes to, to get that relationship right. That'll be important because so much of, of you know, sexual uh, frustration has to do with things way beyond the sheets. So, so pay attention next week. And in the meantime, look for ways to start a conversation with your spouse in a safe space, in a safe way about your desires sexually with the hope of growing more intimate in every way. I mean, if, anybody's, if, any, if anybody should be talking about sex, it's our, our married couples. <laughs> if you need help with that conversation, marriage counseling or marriage mentoring, it could be the right next step for you. Those things are available here. We can link to them in the chat as well. So uh, we've said a lot, and I'm also very aware we've, there's a ton we, we just didn't say uh, that we probably could have. So I guess let's keep talking. Uh, let's not let this be a taboo topic. We've got to be all secretive about. No, no, sure. It's an area where many have experienced hurt, and, and we've got to comfort each other. It, it's an area where God has lots of grace. And I pray that for, for all of us who are, are members of Christ's body and, and those who would accept the invitation to join Jesus in the adventure, that we would not be found trapped by, by any lesser vision of life, but we would find joy and wisdom and freedom in God's design for sex and for life. Mm -hmm.